Welcome into the fourth mother box. Man, Papa Het has graced us with yet another Metallica song, so you know this episode will be Metallica heavy. Welcome into the fourth mother box. Thank you for joining us. Before I get into introducing our co-host and myself, please follow us at fourth mother box on Instagram, somewhere on Facebook. That's about it. Um, thank you for subscribing to the podcast here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into Apocalypse. Let's have some fun today talking about new Metallica, Mandalorian, and whatever else we decide to spoil here. I am Tom Okri. Thank you for joining, and I'm joining, or I am hailing from Central Florida, just down the street from the Walt Disney World theme parks, and my partner in crime for over 20-something years in Chicago, Illinois, the suburbs of... Ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Cosentino. Kyle, how the hell are you today? Dank Farrick, if darkness <laughs> had a sun. I am doing well. And, uh, you know, speaking of Chicago, we just had a certain mayor uh, lose a race that it's not the worst thing that ever happened to the city. So Everybody didn't say Beetlejuice three times enough? This is I like, think that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. This I is history. Look, look. I, she just went away. Yeah, uh, I haven't been a citizen of Cook County for a very long time, so I can give two craps about that. But uh, long time coming for this individual. She just did not seem to do well for that city. I mean, I haven't seen many mayors who have done well with that city. So, nah. Uh, uh, yeah. Now nah, this city sucks. It'll always <laughs> suck. <laughs> You're almost gonna die from snow, and then everyone's okay. No, it's March in Chicago. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah, the, the, today they're talking about a big ass snowstorm. I'm sitting here looking out my window all day, and <laughs> I got nothing. They were like making a big deal about it, and I'm sure if I went to the grocery store today, every like old lady for five miles would be there. So. I'm just envisioning you sitting in like a rocking chair, like looking outside of your window, like, where's the snow? <laughs> Every two well, seconds. I work from home today, so oh, it's, yeah. it, uh, you I did. might as well have been. <laughs> so. Kyle, did you hear what I said? I can't. I'm looking for snow. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to bill your insurance for this. Uh. Okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so... Yeah, this episode's going to be Metallica Heavy, like I made mention of earlier. Uh, If Darkness Had a Son. Kyle and I were just talking about the last episode of Fourth Mother Box. We were just talking about new Metallica. And I think we just haphazardly guessed in a couple of weeks on like March 15th. And Metallica decided to drop an Instagram post. And I think it started out as a TikTok um, of them playing the first minute or so of the song that released on March 1st of Darkness Had a Sun, the bit that you heard us coming into on the show today. So that was a cool way to tease it. I didn't expect a new song from 72 Seasons quite yet, you know, since it's a little less than 45 days away. But, man, if Darkness Had a Sun, Kyle, like, I'm... You know, I don't think it's my favorite of the three that have released thus far. I think I can confidently say that, but I just love, love, love when Metallica does the mid-tempo, like, sludgy stuff. Yeah, this this was the very definition of sludge. Yes. And, you know, this, this song is actually, it feels like it really could have been on Hardwired to Self-Destruct. I mean, it really yeah. feels like it is a 
maybe a leftover amalgamation of different riffs that were left over from that album uh, put into this song. But yeah, so very sludgy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm with you. It's not my favorite of the three, but it's not a bad song. No, it's a good song. I love it. Yeah. Um, I hope that this is the last one we get Agreed. before we get the album because, you know, Joe, our buddy, good buddy Joe, made this point to me uh, the other day. He's like, he likes getting the whole album and just being able to like sit and listen to it all the way through it. And I think that's a good thing. Yes. Um, that's the that's the really cool thing about album drop days because you can you can do that. Now, I'm like reading through these lyrics. What do you think this song is about? I have some ideas, but I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, let's let's start with kind of backing up with the favorite part. My favorite part of this song is when they get into a little bit of a heavier pre-verse riff. And it's almost like a chorusy riff, but it's a and a temptation. So if you're a Metallica fan of the past twenty something years, you're going to know like and, and you've watched some kind of monster and you've followed the band through Saint Anger, Temptation, when you hear that, the first thing you're gonna think of is one of the scrap songs that didn't make it to Saint Anger that was created in the Presidio session. So like I immediately thought of because just like you had said, Kyle, like this might belong on Hardwired. Like maybe this, the temptation theming around a song was dug up from the Saint Anger sessions because that was like a song that I know coveted amongst fans, and I know you and I talk about that. You you get like the minute and a half of it on some kind of monster, but like shit, that song was pretty good. Oh fuck yeah, yeah they. I'm glad that that resurfaced, and and I actually thought of that instantly. Right when James started screaming temptation. Um, I think what he did back in, you know, some kind of monster was really good too. So yes. I'm glad to see that back. That's really cool. So as, as far as like what I actual think of the song, what does it mean? Um, you know, I think the theming, um, when I think about the song, the, like if darkness had a son, here I am. It, um, kind of like the, you know, the, the, the birth of like, like temptation is darkness or, um, I, it's 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 really up for interpretation, right? At this point, and 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 what's what's crazy about all these Metallica songs on seventy two seasons is like I think this is quite possibly the cl- you know a concept album for Metallica. You know, maybe like the closest thing we might get to a concept album. You know, because it seems to stem around like we've talked about like the first eighteen years of your life, right? So I'm with Joe. Like I want to sit down and just listen to this start to finish. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was like reading through the lyrics, and I, and you know, you think about temptation, and as uh, I was reading through it, it just kind of makes me think of the way our society is, where things have been, people are kind of being pushed to their absolute limit, and for some people, they don't have anywhere else to turn, and you know, the temptation of darkness or like dark behavior becomes very, very attractive or alluring. And I think that's maybe what this song was talking about. You know, it's like the demons that exist within, you know, and how we, how we like kind of fight to push that back throughout our lives. And when you get pushed to that, to the very limit, like, you know, some of that stuff seems tempting. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I mean, this whole, these, these lyrics, these, this music from 72 season thus far has been relatable. And, and, and I think it's, 
it's always a great job that Metallica does to connect with their fans and I think beyond their fans creating new fans when they make music like this right it's been a tough several years for a lot of people right and it's you know tough times create tough men I think right or uh, good times create weak men or something like that I don't know the old the old adage goes so it's like it's creating tougher people you know you've lived through some rough things and your viewpoints on the world are just a little bit different and we've talked about that at length right i have some different viewpoints versus the way you see things and the way our friends see things um one of the one of the things about this song actually that caught me right away was look who's back in the writing credits and mr kirk hammett like that's a little bit out of left field yeah i mean like you know i i've said this before but i i always think like you get it's great to like get a product from one person or part of their soul, but it's like when four people come together and you know put it together, you, you definitely get something different. And so I, I hope um, everybody kind of had their chance to shine on this album. I haven't heard anything like that it's really stuck out to me like from Kirk yet, but it's good to know that he's, he's kind of have some of the writing credits. Um, the solos you know fit the song. I'll say that. but I'm just thinking about like, some of his iconic solos that he's written in the past uh, that's what i'm waiting for so i hope that uh you know the, the first three songs again were not bad solos it just um nothing that i feel like really will stick st- that sticks out to me like this is like really interesting or really cool lick that he that he put together yeah i don't i don't think kirk's at that point anymore in his career it feels like right like when I think of like P. Kirk Hammett soloing, right, I think of, and now he had some of this on Death Magnetic, but, uh, you know, think of the Unforgiven. Like, there's just feeling behind that solo. There's like a, you could just feel it in your soul. Right. Um, yeah. And, and Kirk, Kirk does that. He can do that. He's done that multiple times, but I just don't think he's there anymore in his point of his career. He's happy doing this. He, I mean, it's just like, you know, he's he's putting like a basic scale into the song. I mean, it fits. Like, don't get me wrong. But yeah, when you look at the solo, like The Unforgiven, I mean, that song just fuck, that, that solo just fucking like, just wails. I mean, it is the exact solo that needed to be in that song. It just fucking yeah. rips so hard. Um, it does. And, and I can name countless others that are, are, are very similar. Um, oh, Ride the Lightning's so. my favorite Kirk Hammett solo. So nice job, sir. I mean, like, there's so many you could point point to, even like on like load and reload. Like, I think about like one of my favorite um, solos from that era is like the Cure. You know, the solo in there is like it's not their best song, but that solo fucking slaps. Um, I don't know if you know it offhand, but it's 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 like really well done. I mean, yeah, it's like um, Kirk oh, is oh, yeah, really yeah, yeah. well. Known. It's, it's, it starts off very bluesy, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, I don't know. I just, it always, that one always like was one of my favorites on that album. And it, it always like kind of stuck out to me. Uh, in any case, like one thing I wanted to say about, about them as well, you know, they had that preview video the day before they released yeah. it where they showed them kind of playing like 30 seconds of it. And I've got to say like, you know, these guys have been around for 40 years and they've been through some stuff, right? They yeah. just look like they were having fun. They they were looking like they were having fun with it. I mean, and you got to give them credit for that, especially like James. You know, he just got divorced and he was in rehab not too long ago. 
Um, he wasn't looking so hot, you know, around at the SNM two era. But now, the, I mean, they just—they all look like they were having fun with it, and I think that's just awesome to see. Like, it makes me happy. It was awesome, and they were all in different areas, right? Rob and Kirk, I think, were in like Hawaii. James is up there in Colorado, and uh, Lars is still in San Francisco. So they're all chilling there on Zoom or whatever that was. But <laughs> good shit, man. Good shit. So, if Darkness had a son, where does this rank out of the three for you? How would you rank the three singles just from favorites? And I know it's it's tough. It's like picking your favorite pet or child. How, how would you rank the three songs thus far? I would rank them in order of the, what they released. So Lux Eterna is still my favorite, and Screaming Suicide, Darkness Had a Sun. Okay. I am a little bit different. Number one is Screaming Suicide. Two is If Darkness Had a Sun. Three is Lux Eterna. But they're all so close. They're all so close. I mean, they'll offer great things, right? I just, I love the sludginess. I love the... The, the meaning behind if darkness had a son and i've listened to this one the most since it's dropped like the quickest like i keep going back and listening more and more i don't know about i don't know it's it just keeps drawing me to it but yeah but i'm i'm with you kyle i think i'm like all right last single right let's let's just we can wait the 40 something days till 72 seasons comes out um i grabbed mine and brad's ticket for the global premiere when they premiere the album the night before it releases in theaters so which i think is pretty cool metallic is doing are you going to check that out uh yeah oh yeah fuck yeah okay um i'm probably going to go with either tim or joe or, or both of them i don't know We've, we haven't yeah. figured it out yet but hell yeah we're definitely going to go cannot wait so. cannot wait i wonder what the like special like thing in there because they said they they're going to play the album but they're also going to have something else special in there. So, here's I, a song I'm, that didn't make the album that we're only going to play in the theater. That'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm sure it's going to be some some version of them playing or something like that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Or like in, like intros to the to the music or something. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. So, all right. Yeah. So, Kyle, would you mind if I hijack the podcast for a moment to somewhat have fun with? Um, announcing the gender of my child. So, funny thing, people. Um, the, the, Are you I, assuming his gender or her gender? His or her gender? Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming nothing. No. Um, this is what they're getting based on a DNA test. Science. We do science on this podcast, Kyle. Um, so, anyway, hijacking for a moment. Um, th- so, Kyle knows because I, I told him ahead of time, and Courtney and myself know, right? And Courtney's mom knows. Um, the sex, the gender of our baby that's due in August. So the way that I'm letting my family and putting it on social media is right now on this podcast. So I haven't told anybody else. So th- this is legit, guys. Like this is how I'm asking them to find out. I think it's kind of funny. It's unique. It's what I like to do. So it's a joke. If you're mad, you had to listen to my podcast for a little bit. Come on, it's 17 minutes in, and then you're finally hearing the gender of this of this child. So okay. So give me a moment. Oh, yes. You, you know, uh, you should make them l- listen to the very end. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that cruel. I mean, I hope this stay, and I hope they tune in I and mean, give us downloads they, every week so we look right. good. They, don't want, they, should, they should have want to listen to what uh, us two idiots ha- have to talk about. That's so. true. That's true. It's most of their fault that we're like this. So. <laughs> ah, all right. Go ahead. Okay. Thank you, sir. So, um, 
Ladies and gentlemen, on 4th Mother Box on March 3rd, 2023, I am announcing the gender of Tom and Courtney Oakry's child due in August. you come to this podcast because you're a DC fan, if you come to this podcast because you're a Snyder fan, because that's how this podcast originated, you know the gender already. Um, those of you who might have seen Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and know that this song is Wonder Woman's theme, then you might assume that, yes, we are having a girl. Lillian Page Oakery is coming August 22nd-ish this year, so... I need to stock up on some ammunition and my guns to look a lot more threatening. So, there you go. The World Day debut announcement, whatever, blah, blah, blah. There you go. I'm going to do a view of my podcast. That's how I do it. And then I'll put it on social media. So, there you go, people. Have fun with that. Well, I'm sure many of our our three followers are, are with me when I say congratulations. And uh, let's hope uh, she's not a ginger. Yeah, yeah, I hope not either. Not for that kind of attention. Redheaded boys had it worse. So, um, so when are you going to start lactating? I mean, is that is that thing is that happening now, or or is, are you going to get that in the next couple of months? Like, I'm doing it right now, and I'm going to send you a, a sample. Okay. Psycho- oh, good. Psychoanalyze good. that on your couch. You trick cyclist. Oh, okay, I will. I will. For sure. I went old school there. How's your, how's your therapy and going, huh? Yeah, not doing well. Two stars on therapycouch.com. I see you out there. Like two and a half. Two and a half. I just made that up. Therapycouch.com. That'd be hilarious if that was a, a website. You could like rate therapists, man. Oh, Kyle'd have like the worst, the the, the absolute worst. Oh. People wouldn't rate it, break therapist, because then they'd have to disclose like who, who they saw. So that's true, or, or that they saw somebody. Yeah, yeah, that's and true. People don't do that generally. That's true. Um, so anyway, yeah. So let's move it along. Um, we're gonna end the show today with a fun Metallica-related top ten list, um, but we've got some things and stories to talk about a little bit between there. Um, so Kyle, the biggest thing of this week. Man, happy Mandalorian Japanese Day on toilets on South oh, Park. Right? That too. <laughs> I love how that episode started out with, and yet another thing we called, by the way. I mean, it was pretty easy, but we, we like we knew Hogwarts Legacy was going to end up on South Park, right? So, oh my god, yeah, yeah, I was surprised by that. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. So, are you are you going to go out and buy a Japanese toilet? Uh, not for ten thousand dollars. I have a child on the way, and it's a girl, so I gotta like buy her like princess, little princess Leia costume and a little Ray costume to go on Batu, man. Oh, oh, oh by yeah, the way, well. I meant to add this in too. I meant to say this in the announcement too, but uh, staying in Florida, I, I there were some decisions maybe going back to Arizona, but we are firmly staying in Florida, so I wanted to put that there. So yeah, taking the little girl to Batu, that'll be awesome. 
Yeah, I mean, there's no better way to raise a child than to raise them uh, when you're 10 minutes away from Disney World. So exactly, that's, that's the be- I mean, that's the best way to do it. That's right. And I'm a therapist, so <laughs> I, you you could trust me. <laughs> no, I don't trust. I have you. two and a half stars on TherapyCouch.com. The, two and a half stars. You hear that? And that's out of 10 people. That's the sad yeah. part. That's the sad yeah. part. So he's in the bottom one percent. Ah. So let's psychoanalyze the Mandalorian. So, man, happy Mandalorian Day. And we can talk about South Park in a second, but Mandalorian happened. And I've watched this episode a couple times, but after the episode dropped, the Mandalorian debuted with Grogu on Galaxy's Edge and Batu, so you can see him now walk through the marketplace. I was there for Jedi Talk, and there I actually posted a video on the fourth Motherbox Instagram as well. That was the very first character entrance and interaction for the Mandalorian at Walt Disney World like saw the very first time happen so history was made and the timeline is not broken that's still after the last Jedi you timeline deniers I see you out there asses Christ so what'd you think of chapter 17 of the Mandalorian season 3 the apostate well uh, I want to get into that but I I was just going to say that um you know, I saw the footage from Mandalorian on Batu, and man, they they like that looked really, really good. It like, does. The the uh, person that is in the suit, I mean, it just looks amazing. Um, even Grogu too. So they did a hell of a job with that. And I even heard a rumor that uh, Brad was there, and he asked Grogu to sign his anus. <laughs> and um, I just wanted to know if that was true. I. Did Grogu sign his anus? You know, I haven't been on TikTok that's... lately to, to see what Brad's doing with the sugar daddies, but, um, <clears throat> you know, Brad likes to show his ass crack a lot on TikTok as well, so maybe we can see if Grogu did sign his anus. Oh, well, uh, maybe he signed his, like, uh, what is that, like a chocolate cake, birthday cake mug that he had, his Karen mug? No, the uh, sign that. 25th anniversary Walt Disney World castle cake mug. Oh, okay. That too. That too. <laughs> so you had him sign his ass in the, the castle cake mug. Yes. Sounds about right. Yep. Okay. That's exactly what and, happened. And uh, you guys, I don't know if you, you announced it on here, but you, you guys are uh, officially doing the Halcyon again. Yes. Yes. Remember, we're uh, Winston's so excited about the Halcyon. Um, I think he wants you to bring him on. Like, oh he, no, he, he, there needs to be dogs in the Halcyon. They're due, and th- there actually have been. There's some some service dogs that people have been calling Loth wolves, which are you know like dog like wolves in the Star Wars galaxy. I think it's adorable. But um, awesome. yeah, uh, so we talked about it a little bit on last week, last episode, but we can reiterate again. Uh, we're going on the Halcyon May seventh to May 9th um, of this year. Winston can't wait. He's so happy. And I'm so happy that he likes to talk during this time, even though it really doesn't sound you know that bad. You know what's weird is like Winston always barks, but I never hear them on the playback. Do you do you cut him out or no. do you just leave him in? No, no, I leave him in. Cause it, like I I mean he's like he's virtually not present in the playback, which I know. is so weird. I know, it's weird. It's it's that's that's fine. It's 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 really just fine. It's just annoying to us for like a second. He's just a happy dog. That's all it is. Yeah, he's a good boy. Yeah, yeah. He's... So, anyway, we were talking about Mando, the return of Mando. Finally, we get some good shit back on television. And I listened to your guys' podcast earlier this week, 
about your, your yeah. breakdown of this episode. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it was a good start. I think it's like it, it definitely wasn't the most epic episode. But, right. you know, I wasn't disappointed. I mean, I think it sounded like you guys wanted something more from it. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you, you told me about the Purgles, I think they, they are, they're called, right? Yeah, a.k.a. the Space Whales. Space whales. Okay, so I think we have some space whales over here in Chicago. So uh, if you <laughs> yeah. want to see some purgles, you can come to Chicago and see that. <laughs> but anyway, like you know, I thought it was all right. I mean, you know, the story seems pretty standard. Like he's he's going to go to Mandalore. Like you know, he needs to reclaim his Mandalorian status, right? I think that's kind of what they were going for. Mm-hmm. And you know, they fought a big giant alligator, and that was pretty much the whole episode. It seemed yeah. like. Yeah, it was, you know, I watched this episode a second time with Courtney um, after we did the podcast, and my tune has changed a bit on the episode, for the better, actually. Um, If you look at it for what it's worth, like, if you act like you didn't see those Book of Boba Fett episodes, then this episode's cool. And when you take those expectations out of it, so, like, when I watched the second time, I'm like, all right, you know, I know what happens. I'm just going to chill and watch it again. It's, it's like, so much more enjoyable. Like, I was able to enjoy the fun Grogu parts, like, when he when he hugged the uh, Enzalians. Possibly that might be Babu Frick. I, if, I mean, Babu Frick, we assume one of them was Babu Frick. Uh, at least that's the official guess. Um, just going to guess so. But that was cute. That was funny. Uh, when Grogu was for spinning himself in the chair when they were on Navarro. It was, it was cute. There was a great moments between the Mandalorian and Grogu. Uh, Grief Karga, had, you know, was pretty badass in this, you know. Um, I, I, it's, I still, it's like, I get, you know, the way they just kind of casually knocked Cara Dune off there. You know, she was recruited by Special Forces. Like, uh Yeah, I thought that was like, I'm like, that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, maybe, maybe like, she's back. Uh, whatever. I think I was reading and Dave Filoni was talking about that. And he was like, he was just dancing around the issue. He's like, well, there's a lot of cast members uh, vying for attention in the show. I'm like, oh, get fucking real. Seriously. You were going to have, you were going to center a whole show around this character. And then you decided not to because I wasn't Dave. She said something. Pick. Well, I'm even still like, I, I, maybe I shouldn't even go into it, but in any case, like every there's a lot of actors that say a lot of fucked up shit, and then they just continue on. I mean, you know, we can talk about Ezra Ezra Miller and his track history, yeah. right? James Gunn, he has, <laughs> you know, James Gunn. Um, I think uh, you know Ezra Miller is just the worst by yes. far, right? Like by far. I mean, he didn't just he didn't say shit; he did shit, right? Uh, James Gunn and um, you know Gina Carano just said some shit that they shouldn't have said, right? Uh, well, so, well, well, look, James Gunn. This one is in the vein of comedy, and Gina Carano right. was in her the views of how she saw some things, which she it's both of their freedom of speech. Like you sure. can disagree with what they both said, but by what Disney did to Gina Carano, they proved her point. So it, it's just, it's just, we, we've talked yeah. at about that. Look, the rumor exists out there that she might be back for season four. Just, we got to wait and see, but we're in the crux of season three right now. And that's what I'm focused on. So nice start to the, to the season when like you take expectations out of it. I've changed my mind a bit on the opening. Um, take expectations out of it. It's a fun episode. It sets everything up. Let's not rehash anything else. Cause all that did 
It's, which is why I was a little disappointed with it at first, was just rehashed to what happened in Book of Boba Fett. Like, we kind of knew all this stuff, right? So, you know, he goes to see Bogotan there at the end, and, you know, that's a, we were waiting for them to see each other. I think Bogotan is lying to him about the rest of her crew being vaporized or whatever. I think they're waiting for him on Mandalore. I think it's an attack. So uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season, man. I am. Can't wait. Yeah, I mean, at least there wasn't any Space Vespas, right? Yes, at least there wasn't any Space Vespas. This is not Book of Boba Fett Season 2. Thank the maker. So... Um, and, and it wasn't Andor either, so that's you, this was good. Andor living rent free in your fucking mind over there, you trick cycle ho. <laughs> trick cycle ho. I, I, it's not really like I. I'm. I keep thinking about trying to give it another chance, and I'm just like, I just like I'd have to be like super bored to like try and watch that. And like I'd have to be so bored, like. I don't know. If I was like sitting in church and it was either sit in church or watch Andor, I'd really struggled with which one to pick. No, you wouldn't. Come on. Yeah, maybe maybe I wouldn't, but still, I'm just saying. Church. We went to church for four years of high school. I've had enough of it. <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, these institutions that uh, <laughs> try and tell us how to think and act, I, I just, I don't even know. Yeah. I mean... Like, it's important to have values, right? It's important to, like, believe in certain things. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, kids, you just keep some of it to yourself, you know? Like, I don't know. I grew up and, like, I had certain beliefs. People had beliefs. You just, a lot of people just kept it to themselves. Like, they're just, they were fine. And then, you know, now everybody has to have an opinion. And, and now everybody has to, like, be real, like, passionate about it. And it's just, it's obnoxious as fuck. And that's actually boring. You know what I mean? It's boring. People have to, like, quote-unquote, stand for what they believe every five seconds of the day. It's the most boring. Like, that person has no personality because there's just predictable. They're the most predictable person in the room. Yeah. Boring. <laughs> While I agree with you, the thing is, is, like, this. it's society. It's as easy as ever to do that. So it's like this addiction, this wave of recognition and attention. We're locked to it's these. It's temptation. Yeah. Exactly, it is. If darkness had a sun, temptation. Here I am. So, um, it's a cycle of just, you know, look at what I'm doing right now. This is what I think in my mind. This is what I say. Twitter's open them, like allowed that to happen, to say what you want to say, like twenty four seven. It's just, it's, it's going to be interesting, reverting from that, right? So, hopefully, we evolve ourselves I'm just out like of that. I'm just glad that like we grew up in a in a time where we like we didn't have social media. Like we had other things that we could do, you know, like go out and play baseball or I remember like riding bikes and like, you know, playing baseball outside when I was young. Jumping off and of roofs through like, tables and chairs. Yeah, that too. Like, yeah. you know, I did a swanton bomb off of a off of a garage once. And it was it go. was fucking awesome. Hell yeah. Right? That's um, right. Pretty sure so, JR, pretty sure J.R. Pontello did too. JR might be listening to this. He, he just followed us on uh, Fourth Mother Box. Hey, JR. Oh, well, good. Yeah. Hey, JR. I was hey, on the man. recipient end of that of that Swanton bomb, so still recovering to this day. Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I no. don't know who that hurts more, like the person uh, doing the Swanton bomb or the person who gets hit with the Swanton bomb. I think, I think it's a little column A, a little column B. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So, um, uh, 
real quick, speaking, I know we mentioned James Gunn. I forgot to mention this to you or put this on the show notes, but so I did not put on the show notes to you, but I went to Guardians today, 89th time, working our way to 100, or my way rather. Courtney can't go on that. <laughs> um, uh, Good. Yeah, and um, in the first part of the pre- so the pre-show was like not working, and it was in B mode. Like this is the first time I ever saw this. So it, now the first time you and I went together, like the pre-show didn't work, and they just made us cut through to the ship already, which sucked. But you eventually got to see it again. Um, but for this one, like the first show worked, like the show up top when Terry Crews introduces you, tells you not to record, step into the transporter. So when the doors open, you're normally used to seeing like a tube, like a transport tunnel. But the tunnel was already up, and you saw the ship, but everything was dark. And like the the cosmic generator wasn't on, everything was dark. There was like on the screen that shows outside, like shows Earth and space and where Isan comes up, there was like a window shutter there. So I was like, whoa, this is trippy just to see it. And then they, they like went along with the same pre-show. Except they didn't say stand in the dotted line because there wasn't a dotted line. And it went completely dark. And then the way they simulated the transport up to the ship, they um, just made everything real dark and then lit everything up. So it kind of gave the simulation or the thought that you might have transported up, but nowhere as cool as the way they originally intended to do it. So I wanted to make mention of that. That was, that was kind of crazy to see that B-mode. Hopefully they fix it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. Uh, I mean, well, at least you know it's keeping it interesting and in, on your 89th time, right? <laughs> yep. I got one way or another today, so we'll get to 100 shortly. Um, all right. Before we do our special top 10, uh, we chatted about Last of Us last week, and we haven't really recapped about Episode Seven yet. I don't know how you feel. I know you are a player of the game, so that's why I rely on you for the source material. I know this was canonically accurate, but this was the weakest of the seven episodes for me thus far. Yeah, this was... The episode was called Left Behind, and this actually was the DLC of The Last of Us, right? So... If you didn't get the DLC, you didn't get you didn't play this in the in the original game. Um, okay. So, so yeah. So I mean, in the game, it was I don't know the game versus the versus the TV show version. I mean, they they used a lot from the video game. I mean, there's I've seen online there's like a shot by shot comparison of. You know the actual set. Really, they really tried hard to make the the, the set look reflect like what was in the game, and I don't think it was a bad episode. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I think a lot of people seem to resonate with this one, um, not as much as the Ron Swanson episode, of course. But in any case, like it, it also fell a little flat, and I almost can't put my finger on it. But I mean, I, again, I'm not I'm not saying it was bad, but I I think. Something was a, just missing a bit, and I don't know what it was. Like I don't, I almost didn't. Maybe it was just the connection between the two characters. I mean, I don't know. When I played the game, the game just did so well at bringing the characters to life in a very specific way, and I don't know why that didn't work here. But all right, I'm not. I'm not gonna say it again. It's, it didn't work. It just. It didn't um, do exactly as well as they did in the video game. That that would be my take. 
I think, though, the, the last two episodes, eight and nine, are going to be probably some of the best because there's a lot of stuff that happens. My one disappointment of the show so far is there's not been a lot of action. There's not been a lot of, like, you know, clickers Infected, and monsters. Yeah. And, right. So, I mean, I, I think maybe they're trying to build up, like, the, you know, focus on the characters, but... I don't know. That's such a core part of the game is the monsters, right? The monsters and the people, you know, and there's just not been a lot of like action. Maybe, maybe they just don't have a, a lot of time to do everything that they want to do, but I don't know. I mean, you look at, you compare it to walking dead, walking dead had like 24 some odd episodes of a season, which is way too many, right? So they, they this was uh, the CW's issue, right? When yeah. um, they have like 24 episodes, the content is going to get watered down like real fast. And it just doesn't work. Marvel did it smart. You know, not saying that all their TV shows were good, but, you know, they kept it contained. You keep it contained when it's like around 10 episodes. Right. And so you, you really have a, a good chance to tell a good story. And yeah, this, this episode, again, it wasn't bad. I mean, I liked... There was some like like scene for scene shots, you know, when they put on the masks in the Halloween shop. I was going to be real pissed if they didn't go in the Halloween shop, like because that was a, a core part of the game. And, uh, you know, I can't almost can't wait to go back and play play the game because it's been it's been a minute since I played part one over again. But I, I want to go back and, and replay it to just kind of like, you know, get a feel for like, you know, what they did in the TV show versus the video game. I want to see more of like the influence so yeah i mean it's it it was it was good to hear from you from you that it, they they like hit all the good parts of that and like i think that episode if that was placed in a different place of this season it might have been better i felt like it just kind of slowed us down a bit and i was like it did a little bit yeah it did a little bit maybe because you know Joel actually doesn't get stabbed in the game. Oh, he doesn't. Um, oh, he doesn't. Um, he gets he fall. He's like fighting. Or they go to this university, and I was kind of like pissed that they didn't like really um, explore more of the college university because I don't know. I just always liked that that area of the game, just the setting. Uh, you you kind of like. It's it's like real overcast outside, and you roll up to this university. You're looking for something, and you're you're on a horse, and then you start exploring the the college, and there's there's clickers there, there's monsters there, right? And then like there's like bandits or whatnot, and Joel is fighting some guy on a ledge, and he he falls off a ledge, and he lands on like some. Um, it's like I don't know what they're called, like those concrete poles, like the little metal um, barbs that are in be- between concrete. I don't know what they're called. I can't think of it. But he falls on that, and you know, there's so obviously like Ellie helps him get out of there, right. and they're on the horse. That that you know, like he falls off the horse in the game, but then they she brings him to this little town, and she like keeps him in this garage, and then now she's out like looking for. Like medicine, and this is going to play huge into the uh, you know this weekend's episode is where she 
she's out looking for medicine and hunting for food and then she runs into this group and then some stuff happens so like i think um this is i I wonder how they're gonna contain this episode because i'm thinking like this episode is gonna be all about getting joel medicine and everything and the last episode is is Mm. gonna be about getting getting ellie to the fireflies doesn't seem like they have a lot of time to finish the story (laughs) They don't. Yeah. They really don't. Like they're gonna have to jam pack it in there. So oh boy, there's 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 kind of a lot of stuff, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. And then they they kind of retconned a little bit in uh in the second game, whereas like oh. you know when you get to the when you get to the fireflies, you know there's well I can't I don't know if I want to really spoil yeah, it for you because you have played the game, well, but well there's I it wasn't I a big retcon. Game, but it, but I will spoil this. I did look up to see what happens in the game and the second game because I want to see how true they're being to source material. Even though you're okay. you're you're still the expert on this, so you won't ruin anything for me. It's it's not really like a big retcon. It's just that there was something you see at the end of episode one that you didn't um, that they kind of changed up a bit in episode two. Like they just like took whatever happens at the end of episode one and then the events of episode two, they just kind of like put them in there. It wasn't the biggest, I mean, it was fine. It was perfect. Like you don't even think about it. What what's going on in this regard. So we'll see what happens. I, I'm just more than anything. I'm curious about how they're going to go about season two. Because if they go right, if they like fast forward a couple years in the future, I'm not going to be happy. Yeah, like that's they they don't they haven't really built up Joel and Ellie's relationship yet. I mean, they just haven't because they haven't had enough time. So I want to see like an a season two, and this is where they can explore more of these characters. Write something different that the gamers don't know about. Yep. I don't want to like I want to watch an episode where I'm like I don't know what's going to happen, you know. So I'd be really looking forward to that. And then episode, you know, game two, that can come into play maybe in a later season or so. Yeah. So tell as much as you want and like tell the next season and maybe you can copy the third game as it comes out. But um, that's good. That's good. Yeah, a lot to pack in in those last two episodes, but we'll be watching and I wouldn't doubt that the final episode is like two hours long. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Speaking of video games, yes. The rumor has it. I'm pretty sure this is confirmed. I mean, it's, it's probably like even if it wasn't confirmed, we know this is going to be true. Hogwarts Legacy is going to get a sequel. Oh yeah. Uh, and even furthermore, a TV show on HBO Max. Oh. Which, which I I'm not 100 percent sure if that's confirmed. I think it is, but I think this is not a bad idea. Um, you kind of you're using the world of Harry Potter, and you're kind of starting from scratch. I mean, people know this world pretty intimately now, and you can just write some characters and plunk them into this world and make a story out of it. Yeah, so, sure I'd be interested to see what that is. I, I don't think they should use the story from Hogwarts Legacy because, frankly, I think it's just kind of like um, the story is kind of like background to just the gameplay and the exploration. Yeah. That's my personal belief anyway. So I hope they just kind of use it as a platform to create, cultivate something, you know, maybe bigger. I don't know. Okay. 
yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm 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 all for it. I'm here for everything that they do with that. So, all right, let's slide into this quick little top ten and having fun with some Metallica. It was a special week for Metallica. So Kyle and I are the two biggest Metallica fans you're ever gonna know. We wanted to do a very very tough, but our top ten favorite Metallica riffs. So a guitar riff from one of their songs, right? That's what qualifies here. And I promise it won't get super detailed and nerdy. We're just going to have some fun with it. So your homework is after you hear this is to go listen to all these songs, damn it. So, um, Kyle, do you have any honorable mentions by chance? All of them. All <laughs> of them, yeah. That's true. I'm not going to mention any there, honorable mentions because I just um, I can't. Yeah, I you, I just can't. Like, oh, there's just too many. Like yeah. this, I could change this list tomorrow. Like it's. It, me too. You know, me, me too. And actually, what I did with this list was I just got it down to ten, and I'm just going to look at them and pick from ten to one right now because that's literally how I feel about this band most of the time. So, <laughs> why don't you go first? Give us your ten, and then it'll come back to me for ten, and we'll 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 go back and forth. Okay. All right. Um. Yeah, I did this a while ago, but ten I would I would say broken, beaten, scarred. Ooh, good one. And not the opening riff, but kind of like the riff that's like leading into the song. Yeah. And like part of, part of like the verse riff uh-huh. because it's like it's so fun to play. Like, um, it's it's such a cool like little riff that they put together. Absolutely. And Metallica is always done really well with their riffs i mean if you talk to any guitarist that's like into hard rock they know metallica riffs because they're so fun to play you know it's not like you're i you know listening to bands today i feel like i never hear riffs i'm like wow that really stuck out to me you know like because it's just not there anymore it's and and not saying that's a bad thing but it's kind of like taking it away it's like almost guitar is like watered down or not focused upon i mean yeah these new metal bands will write like a really intricate, like, you know, solo. But it, I mean, it's it doesn't stick out like, you know, the one solo or Unforgiven or I mean, or like Stairway to Heaven or something like that. Right. I mean, or any of the old classics that you know, if you ask anybody, like, can you hum the Stairway of Heaven to Heaven solo or, um, you know, Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd or something like that? I mean, people know these solos; they're so iconic. There's nothing iconic about what bands are producing today. So that's my uh, guitar piece, but I'll go back into the list. So number 10, Broken Beat and Scarred. All righty. Very good pick. Number uh, nine. Uh, uh, no, I'll go 10, then you'll go nine. I'll go nine. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do it that way. My number my number 10 is from St. Anga, one of the heaviest riffs, uh, but my world, the uh, chorus rift. Like when James is saying, get him out of my head, like that riff right there. It just oh. like I had to pull something from Saint Anger. It's just such a good riff. Like it's just such a great headbangy riff, and it's it fits perfectly into Saint Anger. So these are all my kids. All these songs are my kids. So like 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 I said, this is just based on my mood, and this is it. That's number ten. What's your number nine? I mean, I don't know if this technically qualifies, and we're talking about guitars. So yeah, and maybe. Maybe you could say that this definitely qualifies for a higher number, but the bass solo on From the Bell Tolls, I mean, 
is there nothing more iconic than that bass solo? If you go into any guitar center today and somebody's playing the bass, I'm guaranteeing you they're playing this riff. Yep. And anesthesia. I did it all the time. God, I did that shit all the time. We would just go out at night and go to Sam Asher Guitar Center. We'd spend like two, three hours in there. I'd just be fucking around playing Metallica songs in the corner. Remember remember when we went to meet Mike Portnoy there? I do. At Sam Ash? I fucking do. It was such a cool day. It was you, me, and I think Chris X. Chris McElroy, yep. Yeah, uh, that was a good day. Mike Portnoy I told him that he was God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say to you after that? I can't remember. He said that uh, he's just a guy, but... He looked hungover. I mean, <laughs> he owes me a pen. <laughs> He stole your pen? He did. Well, he, he asked me for it. The pen he was using just stopped working. He's like, hey, man, can I take this? And I said, yeah, I don't need it. <laughs> so he had signed my shit, and I got out of there. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. That was cool. So That was that was a long time. That was when he was with Dream Theater. Yes. So that was like probably when we were 20. 2009, 10, something like that. Yeah. Yes. Ancient history. Ancient okay. history. But we're talking about now history. So um, what's your number nine? Oh, you said uh, from the Bell Tolls bass riff. Bells. Yeah. It was one of the first bass riffs I ever learned, and Scourge plays that song quite a bit. And you will hear more from Scourge this year, I promise. We are just taking our time, because that's what we do. Fuck off. Life happens. So um, my number nine, oh, I would say, oh, that's a tough one. Uh, the Four Horsemen riff. The like like galloping riff, like the when they're all start playing together. No, the oh yeah, that's that's great. Yes, that's great. That riff just right. Second song on Kill 'Em All. So thrashy. It's so Metallica. It's just spectacular. I I remember when I was discovering Metallica. You know, getting sucked in by listening to them via like S&M and then dipping into like the Black Album because it was one of the most popular and then like like the Black Album opening my mind to more stuff for them and like I just remember discovering the Four Horsemen I was like this is one of the coolest songs I've ever heard so such a great riff such a great driving song too so fun song to fuck around and play with too what's your number eight was you said that was your first song um or like uh Bells was your first song that you ever played no, that she learned. No, no, no. The uh, the first song I ever learned on bass, first Metallica song and first song ever I learned on bass was "Devil's Dance," that uh, bass riff. Ah, nice. Yeah. All right, number eight. My number eight and is "Enter Sandman." Yeah, and you know, maybe people it. might be like, "Really seriously?" But you know, that's it's an iconic riff. I mean, it's a. It's a good riff. I mean, I just think it's been overplayed, you know, obviously. Yeah. So it's just so, it's such a perfect heavy metal riff. Like that whole song really is, you know, from the opening. I can't, you know, I don't know if I like the opening riff better than I do the, just like the power, you know, the distorted riff. But in any case, both of them are just fucking awesome. Yeah. I I think I like the power distorted. Yeah. Every guitarist wishes they wrote that riff. And if you say that they don't, you're full of shit. So. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah, Bender Sandman, the classic, the best. It's 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 my little opening music on Jedi Talk because I don't care. Yeah, I'm a Metallica fan. I I like songs way better than Bender Sandman, but that's still like the the theme song for that band. So suck it. It's a great song. Um, my number eight will be. Also, for whom the bell tolls, but not the bass riff, just the da 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 Like every metal fan, and then people outside of metal, like you, you know that riff. It's just such like a war cry of a riff from Metallica. It's just, and Scourge has played this song endless amounts of times. This is such a fun song to play. And Scourge was playing this song in Rensselaer, Indiana, outside of St. Joseph's College once, and our PA caught on fire while while we were playing this song. True story. Yes, it was. Yes, it did. And that that's not the first time it's caught on fire. <laughs> no, it's not. I think I, it, our, our equipment, we pushed our equipment to the max. And, and then we, we pushed that sure, to the max. <laughs> right. And then we want to make sure everybody heard us, because... Uh, you know, we like to be loud. Uh, yeah, we were so loud. Uh, that's all right. So my number seven yes. is a is a song that we also played. One ride the light. Oh fuck yeah! And just the opening riff. The opening riff is is very iconic, and it's like a it's <laughs> it's double guitar. And Winston, I think Winston is concurring with me, which is, is which is great. He is. <laughs> But it's 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 so cool, like that double guitar part. Like I I remember learning that for the first time. Like wow, that like how did they put that together? Like that's just so, that just was so like um, well written. Yeah. You know? Man, great uh, great song. Great song. I I I think that was the best scourge, uh, or the best Metallica song scourge ever played together. Ride the lightning. I always felt we were so in the pocket with that song. I don't know how you feel. We, we, um, I don't know, for all the stuff that we kind of fucked up, <laughs> you know, uh, this was one that we, see, you know, it was a more complicated song. It was. And, you know, then like your stock from the bell toes was just pretty like straightforward and easy and, and, and Sandman. Sandman. Yeah. This was a very, this is a more challenging song and uh, more complex, but, but for some reason we just hit it. We just hit it really well. And, uh, you know, it, it turned out pretty good. So, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely agree. My all around favorite Metallica song. So, all right, we're on my number seven. My number seven is off of Hardwired to Self Destruct, but another sludgy, chunky riff. Now that we're dead, just the opening, the just that, that just riff stand out, stands on its own, and that just lends itself so well to, uh, like a perfect placement for like the third song on that album. Um, a good music video too. So uh, that's just a song that'll always come up on shuffle and I can't turn off because of that riff. So uh, Kyle, what is your number six? My number six is sad, but true. Fuck yeah. And I picked this riff because it's it's one of the heaviest riffs ever written. It is so fucking heavy. I don't know how they got this sound, but it just was so perfect. Just with Lars's drums that like go right into this riff, like oh man, it is fucking 
just the most ballsy heavy riff I've ever heard. Yeah. So that's definitely why it needed a place in this. Absolutely. On my uh, my list. And that's another iconic one, right? Like when I think of that song, and another one on my list, I'll get to in a second. It just reminds me of it. Just it hits a little nostalgia too, right? When you're like learning Metallica, it's just like ah, it represents a a good time in that band's life, or like a maybe not a good time for them, but like a good time in Metallica's life. So, good pick. Uh, my number six. Um, my number six will be Battery. Um, that opening, like after the acoustic, oh, yeah. and when the riff goes heavy and fast, Battery, it opens the gr- arguably Metallica's greatest album, which, by the way, Kyle, happy 37th birthday exactly today to... Master of Puppets. It came out on this date in 1986. Wow. Happy 37th birthday, Master of Puppets, and this is Battery, the song that opens it. That's my number six. Uh, that's my riff. Okay. It's such a great way to open okay. Master of Puppets and arguably Metallica's best album. Um, no, I would say I would say definitively Master of Puppets is Metallica's best album, but it's not my favorite. It's their best album, but not my favorite. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. What's your number five? My number five is No Leaf Clover, and it's the it's the breakdown riff at the end, like it's so basic, but it's it's so Metallica. Like I think Jim James said once, he's like that riff can sum up our whole like legacy right there. And I always like whenever I play guitar, that's always one that I've always like gone back to and played. You know, because it's just such a fun little, you know, easy riff to play. It is. It's such a great way to, like, exit that song, too. No Leaf Clover is a Metallica classic. I don't care what anybody says. Great song. Good pick, too. Uh, love, love, love that song. Um, I think the version from SNM 1 is better, but to each their own. I just like that one a little bit better. So, uh, my number five is Wherever I May Roam. So, when Kyle was talking about, like, the nostalgia with Sad But True, when I think of Wherever I May Roam, like, like that whole drive riff in the beginning with Lars, just, like, just a nice drive beat, you know, the mid-tempo, a little bit fast, sludgier shit from the Black Album. The St. Catherine's Carnival always comes to my mind, and the Gravitron, you know, like, the ride that you'd get on and just spin... And, you know, I was younger and able to handle that. Like, now I wouldn't do it. It would make me dizzy. But, the, like, all I ever feel that played on that ride was the Black Album. And I was discovering Metallica. Those songs were sticking with me. And it's such a formative part of my youth as I was growing up an angry white boy. <laughs> it's just, like, the music spoke to me. And, like, wherever I may roam will always remind me of that time period. And, it, yes, it will remind me of Mike Norot wasting 70 something dollars or whatever he's he's gonna text me when he hears this and tells me how much money he really lost um and the basketball game at the st Catharines carnival so true story (laughs) my uh my number four is also wherever i may hey crossover um i just i really like the opening riff to this song where it's like where it's just like slow and just heavy. It's like, it's just, it's so fucking 
uh, you know, there's so many iconic riffs on the Black Album. I know it gets hate now because it was so popular. And, oh, they could suck it. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a classic, classic album. Like, the, every song on it, it's, it stands on its own. Like, you can't fucking deny that. You really can't. Nope. Can't deny it at all. Um, you also yeah, that, that song is always a staple. Like yes. Just the, yeah. Is that like a keytar or cutar or something? Like, yeah. I don't know. What is that? Something like that. Qatar. Uh, that opens Qatar. it. Qatar. Yeah. yeah. I feel like a bad so, musician. A, yeah. Well, you know, that's, it's kind of like, it's not really well, it's not really well used, you know, in, in right. our, at least in our culture anyway. So there's a dude but, in uh, Animal Kingdom up. that plays that same kind of oh. guitar. He just sits there and jams to it all day. It's pretty cool. He should uh, he should play the w- opening to wherever I may roam. You know what? Next time I'm in Animal Kingdom, I'm going to find him, and I'm going to ask him to do that. He should. I will. You know what I'm also going to do? I'm going to give you my number four. My number four is the f- a riff from Fuel. And it's the breakdown riff, the ooh yeah, and then the like that riff, like God, every single time, it's just such a oh yeah, like like windows down, crank it up, like headbangy riff, just sums up reload, like the opening to it, and it's a good song, good opening song, feels so fun. Definitely, definitely. What's your three? My my number three is the song that you, my good man, are very familiar with. It is a one Halo on Fire. Mm. And it is the, you know what riff I'm going to say. It's not the opening, it's the middle part. Like, da-na-na-na-na-na-na. That that riff is just everything that it needs to be. It it is just, it hits hits you in all the feels. Like it's it's one of the be- their best. Like they just knocked it out of the fucking park. Really, as is. soon as I heard that for the first time, you know, with James's lyrics, like that is quintessential Metallica yep. right there. That is one hundred percent pure uncut Metallica. Yep. So definitely always like gets me when I hear that riff. So couldn't have said that any better. You a thousand percent nailed it. Out of the park. Um, my number three is from Call the Cthulhu, actually. And it's uh, the 3 minutes 19 second mark. The dun, 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 Like, that part always just gets my hair standing on my arms. Um, Call the Cthulhu is not my favorite instrumental, but it's really close. <laughs> and that's such a great riff. And it's such... And, like, that signified the way how Metallica had grown from one year to another because Ride the Lightning, this song, Call the Cthulhu, was on Ride the Lightning. It was their second album and is so drastically different from the heavy, the threat, fast, thrashy shit off of Kill 'em All. So it shows the growth of the band. I, I fucking love it. What's your number two? Number two, I kind of, like, you know, went a little bit more conventional. I, I had to mention this riff and, and keep it close to the top because it is just so fucking iconic. And it is the middle part to one. Oh yeah, you know the. Dun, 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 dun. Oh man, it, it it's such an easy riff, but such an effective riff. Yep. I mean, my whole high school, uh, my years in high school, I was like sitting at a desk, <laughs> double tapping that on my desk and getting in trouble for it. Um, so just yeah, one of the heaviest, one of the greatest. I mean, it's 
there's if you're a Metallica fan, there's no Metallica fan that hates that part. Nope. Just great, great, iconic. Yep. Um. Uh, speaking of iconic, same album, same album. The titles, the title track to "Injustice for All." The dun 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 dun, like oh, like that. Such an iconic Metallica riff. Um, "Injustice for All." Um, Kyle and I heard this song live at Bonnaroo. Just so good. Uh, just, just hair standing on your arms again. It's, it's just hard to explain. It just gets, it, it, it shows you, like, how long Metallica's been around for, like, because the Injustice for All was her fourth album. So, like, Injustice for All is like, this is who we are. This is who we're about to be, and this is what like our future is gonna look like. Like, this is Metallica now. Like, the longer songs, the melodic shit. So, love it, man. Uh, but. What is your number one? Number one, I had to say Master Puppets. Yeah. Like the open, the opening riff, like, uh, or actually it's like, I mean, that's, I remember I, that's one of the riffs that I learned really early on when I was playing guitar. And it's always the one that stuck with me because it's, it's, you know, there's nothing like it. I mean, it, it just was so. That song was just so well put together. Like, and I don't even think they realized it at the time, because they wrote that album so fast. I know. But that that song was just perfection, and so is that riff. Yes, yes, it is. Absolute perfection. That whole album is though all of Metallica's catalog from top to finish. And what lands on my number one is also off Master Puppets, but it's my favorite instrumental, and it's Orion. But just, it's just, you could feel Cliff in this song, and that riff, it's such a great instrumental, it's a classic from their best album, I, I, it's, it's, I, 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 I don't know, it's, it's, if you're a Metallica fan, and it, you just know, you know the feeling, sometimes it's hard to put into words, it's magical at times, it's majestic, it's, it's just mind blowing, and and it's 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 Metallica. That's the only way to explain it. So, uh, well, that wraps up that list, man. That was fun. Thank you. You guys have been great. We've been Fourth Motherbox. Follow us again at Fourth Motherbox on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Um, check us out. Thank you for listening to the episode and all future episodes. We're getting close to doing a hundred of these guys, and we're hopefully to do something special coming up with that. But as always on this show, we leave the last thoughts to Kyle. So, Kyle, take it home. Well, I've got to ask, where are we at numbers? Like, as far as what number episode okay. is this? Today today would be number 94. This is the 94th episode. Okay. I was going to say, like, you know, if we timed it right, maybe we could do a number 100 as uh, a fourth mother talk. Ooh. I but think, uh, we might, we might uh, not. We might be past that. So okay, that's okay. We could talk about it. But as always, take us home. Final thoughts. I know I said this earlier. I started the show saying this, but I think I'm going to end it by saying, "If darkness had a son, you're I am."